heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you It's the freakiest of Fridays Number 13, baby That's right It's our lucky number It is And Freaky Friday this is, if Freaky Friday has a holiday, <laughs> if our show has a holiday, then today is that holiday. International Freakiest of Fridays. So is, celebrate and- however you, uh, for those that celebrate, we hope that you're having a wonderful day and a freaky one at that. The freakiest of all. I uh, I celebrate privately. So we'll yes. actually, by the time you all hear this, we're in Toronto right now. Mm-hmm. So we will have had an epic show in Columbus, an epic show in Cleveland. We're in Toronto. We're doing a show on Saturday, May 14th That's in Toronto. Tomorrow. So tomorrow, you still have time to get tickets. And if you're in Detroit or thereabouts nearby, drivable distance, because we're driving from Toronto to Detroit. Mm-hmm. So you can do it too. It's fine. Uh, and that is on Sunday, May 15th. So we have two more freaky shows. We did two freaky shows already and two more to come. This is, we're, we're um, in the future right now. So we don't know how our <laughs> two previous shows have gone, but I'm going to assume they went uh, swimmingly, swimmingly, yeah. We conquered Ohio in the best way, and Ohio, and we let Ohio conquer us right back. So it was mutual mm-hmm. conquerage. We had a really incredible tour of a really cool historical spooky place. Mm-hmm. So we're just manifesting right now. So, <laughs> well, that's the magic of Friday the Thirteenth. Anything's possible. That's true. Yeah, it's just like Christmas. Well, we have <laughs> a lot of stories. This. Uh, well, we have six, the normal amount. So it's a normal you know, amount. It's, it's just, <laughs> I, at first, I was like, what if we did 13 stories? And then I thought, what am I talking about? <laughs> Everyone's like, so we're many. Bad. We'll turn it off after six. They're good to go. <laughs> but uh, we got some good ones lined yes. up, as always. So let's jump right into it. I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. That's going to be the new one. Instead of let's get into it, I'm going to say let's get freaky. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this first one is from M. Jean, and the subject line is, That time I unknowingly crossed paths with a mass shooter. In 2016, I went out with a couple of friends for a couple of drinks. We decided to head home at about midnight. The next morning, I woke up to multiple messages from friends asking if I was okay. So I asked what was going on, and they told me to just turn on the TV. When I turned on my TV, CNN was covering a mass shooting that had happened the night before, all throughout Kalamazoo, Michigan. Turns out there was an Uber driver, Jason Dalton, who claimed that his Uber app was telling him at random times to go and shoot random people in random parking lots. Well, it turns out that the last place that he was spotted was immediately next door to the brewery where we were at, and at around the time that we were leaving for the evening. Sometimes I get chills just thinking, what if his app told him to shoot me and my friends in the parking lot of the brewery we were at? He probably drove right past us about the time we were leaving. He was caught shortly after this about a mile away. He ended up killing six people and injuring two. If you haven't heard the story before, it's really quite crazy. People had reported him to Uber earlier in the day for driving erratically. There was a hero single mother who was watching some kids at the playground of their apartment complex, and she jumped in front of them and took multiple bullets, 
She was one of the survivors. Another girl was shot in the head in the Cracker Barrel parking lot and was pronounced dead, but then ended up surviving. The girlfriend of a teenager killed in a car dealership parking lot witnessed the whole thing while hiding in the back seat of the car. The shooter eventually gave himself up without any problems after being pulled over, and he finally ended up pleading guilty and is now in prison for the rest of his life. It's like they always say, no matter how safe you feel your community is, you need to always stay vigilant because crazy can really happen anytime, anywhere, and to anyone. That's very eerie. Very. This is a very sliding doors moment, and it's one of those where you think, if we had left a minute before, if we had left a minute later, could we have been a, a victim of this? I remember when this happened, and it's horrifying to think that you're just out watching your kids at a playground, and, and this is what happens. Yeah, you're walking through a Cracker Barrel parking lot, yeah. and all of a sudden, yeah, something for no, you know, there's really is no reason. You did nothing wrong. It's no. completely random. Yeah. And that's... You, we all hope it would be a hero like that mom that oh, man. You, you hear the shots and you think, I got to save him. I got to jump in front of it yeah. for the kids. So it's something like this. You definitely are grateful for, you know, that you woke up that next morning, mm-hmm. that you woke up just fine and not even knowing what happened. So it definitely makes you feel stay vigilant, but also it's just you didn't have to be vigilant. I mean, you just went about your life and didn't even know. And that's so much of it is just luck of the draw. Mm-hmm. That's what it boils down to. No, but none of these people were doing anything wrong. He was struggling with mental health issues and went on a spree, and six people ended up just losing their lives senselessly, doing horrifying. absolutely nothing but living their lives. Yeah, it's, it is horrifying. We're glad, M. Jean, that you were okay, and thank you for sharing your story. This next one is from Lila. And the subject line is, Be Suspicious of Discount Houses. Hi all, I just recently got into your show and have been loving it. You two are so genuinely funny. I love the banter between the two of you, not to mention the spooky topics are always on point. Compliments aside, I guess I'll get into the story. For some backstory, I've always been sensitive to the paranormal and have had a few unexplainable encounters. My sensitivities weren't helped by the fact that I've been a walking bundle of anxiety for as long as I can remember, Being sensitive comes with a lot of fear and emotional stress. I genuinely think I was probably the most anxious eight-year-old to ever live. I felt overwhelmed and afraid most of the time. I couldn't walk into a place without feeling like it was either light, meaning there was no presence there, or heavy, meaning there was. When a place was heavy, it came with an intense feeling of being watched and a host of unexplained activity. Phantom hands peeking around a corner, whistling in the middle of the night, feeling emotions that didn't seem to be my own. I once even saw an apparition of a man from the torso up float through the air across the room while I was just trying to watch some Wizards of Waverly place. A side note on the apparition. After moving out of that particular house, my mom decided to share that the previous owner was a man who had completed suicide after a bad breakup, though we did get a discount because of it. Thanks, Mom, for finding that deal. One positive paranormal encounter does stick out, though, and I'd love to share it, as it eases a lot of my anxieties around death. It involves my great-grandparents. My great-grandfather passed away before I was born, but I would often visit my great-grandmother when I was very little. We called her Gigi. Gigi was a kind lady with a hunch. Gigi was a kind lady with a hunch that only made her already tiny frame look tinier. She had a head full of salt and pepper curls, 
and would always save a chocolate pudding for me when we visited at her retirement home. After her death when I was around five, I developed an intense fascination of her. I asked my grandmother questions about her constantly and took to collecting snow globes like she had done when she was alive. Before bed, I would pray and ask God to talk to her, like he was the operator and I was waiting to be redirected. This went on until I was about seven and I had a dream of her. I was going about my usual bedtime business, talking to her in my prayers before I drifted off to sleep. That night I had the most vivid dream that I still remember to this day, 16 years later. I was standing in a beautiful garden. It was sunny and my Gigi was there standing perfectly straight, along with my great-grandfather, who I only recognized from pictures. They were standing side by side in front of a red bench. They didn't speak, but it was as if I could feel love and happiness radiating off of them as they hugged me tightly. With them was a little boy that I didn't recognize. He was in overalls, and just before I could hug him too, I woke up feeling at peace. I immediately had to go tell my mom. As I was describing my dream to her, the look on her face went from amusement to shock. I had never visited my great-grandmother in her house, as she had lived in a nursing home since I was born. As far as I knew at that age, that was her house. I had never even seen a picture of the house she shared with my great-grandfather. My mom told me that they used to have a beautiful garden they worked on together, and that their garden had a red bench in it. So she was understandably creeped out when I mentioned that part, as I had no way of knowing this. Then when I mentioned the boy, my mom told me that my great-grandfather had a younger brother who had passed away in childhood. I can only assume this was him, as I've never seen a photo of him, but it felt right. In my dream, I felt their love and their joy. They all seemed happy together. After this dream, I became less obsessive about my Gigi, though I still did feel a strange and unexplainable kinship with her to this day. As an adult, I don't particularly subscribe to any one religion and approach death shaded by my experiences as a child. In moments when I think that there may be nothing after death, I remember the dream I had when I was little and feel more optimistic. It has remained a comfort to me, and I can only hope it can comfort others who have lost loved ones or have anxiety around dying. This is probably longer than 800 words, but a character count is my natural enemy. If you read this at all, let alone on the show, thank you. Wishing you both all the good things. I I love stories like this about Gigi. I will I would like to previously go back to the house. The fact that she said that the heavy areas showed phantom hands peeking around the Mm-mm. corner, visualizing that. Mm-mm. Yikes! No, that's a lot for an eight year old, and that hurts me. Hurts my heart to know that she was so young and had so much anxiety because of something that she couldn't really control that was, you know, just being sensitive to things ar- around her. Yeah, having that feeling of being a bundle of nerves because you don't know if you go into a new place, mm-hmm. God, am I going to see hands creeping around the corner? That's just so eerie. Mm-hmm. But I also, I love the description of Gigi because it's enough that we can physically imagine her, but you also get a real no- notion of her personality mm-hmm. when she saved her the chocolate pudding. I love that. Yeah, that's so sweet. That's such and a so, yeah. great grandmother thing to do. My, and so, yeah, um, she'd come visit. Tommy's grandma, well, he called her grandma, but all the great-grandkids, like Ella and Simon, Simon never met her. Ella was a baby when she passed, but she was Gigi to them, so, mm-hmm. yeah. But um, it sounds like you made a connection some way or another if you saw that red bench, and I love dreams where you wake up feeling at peace, like there's some closure to something, and that feeling just kind of sticks with you, and 
it feels very real. And like we talked about in what was the episode we recently did about where we talked about dreams the hat man. and what is it? The hat man. The hat man. Yeah. About how, you know, there's perceptions, reality, things that happen in your dreams that if, if who's to say it's not actually happening, it certainly feels like it is. So I'm so glad that you woke up with such a calm feeling and it helped ease some of that anxiety that you have around death and so many of us have around death. So it's such a sweet story to share. Thank you. Well, this next one is from Aaron, and this is The Sleepover Disappearance. There I was, a sixth grader sleeping over at a new friend's house for the first time. I was ecstatic to be invited because this friend was one of the cool girls in junior high. I'd packed my best outfits and was looking forward to pizza, movies, and hanging out with her older brother. Insert Heather's purr here. We did all those things and had a blast and eventually fell asleep on the floor in the living room. A few hours later, I woke up in the dark and my friend wasn't there. Thinking she must have gone to her bedroom, I go there to get in the bed with her. She isn't there. I checked in the bathroom. Nothing. I'm not quite scared yet, but am a little bit concerned and wondering where she went, what she was doing, and what I might be missing out on. I walked through the living room again. The kitchen. Look out the windows to the front and backyards. No one. I open the front and back doors to see if I can hear anyone talking. Nothing. I walk through each dark room slowly one more time and see no sign of life. I start peeking in all of her brother's rooms. The doors were all open. And there's no one in those beds either. Now I really start to freak out. Did aliens abduct everyone but me? Was there a kidnapping? Her dad wasn't there before we fell asleep. Was this some kind of domestic thing? All I know is that something terrible has happened, and for some reason, I was spared. I have no idea what to do, so I'm pacing back and forth in the kitchen, thinking about what my options might be if one of these scenarios has, in fact, happened. I could call my mom and dad, but I know that if I wake my mother up and ask her to come get me, she'll be pissed at me for days. I'm not a little kid anymore, and I've been on tons of sleepovers before. I've never called my parents to come get me. I could call 911, but I don't know what even happened. What would I even say? Would I get in trouble? Would they laugh at me? Who do you even call to get help with an alien abduction? The fire department? At this point, I'm hysterically crying because I'm terrified that whatever has taken all of the kids is coming back to get me. The only place I haven't looked in the house is the parents' bedroom. It's the only door that's shut. I know what I have to do. So I slowly begin walking down the seemingly endless hallway to the door. I spend probably five minutes standing there and crying, because I don't know what will happen if I knock. Finally, I get the nerve up to rap on the door, fully expecting either total silence or an alien to grab me. I almost fall over in relief when I hear her mom say, Come in! But then I think, what if the aliens are using her voice? I slowly open the door and sob, Mrs. X, the kids are all gone. None of them are in their beds. Next, I hear laughter, and I think this is it. I'm going to die now. Goodbye, Mom and Dad. Adios. Then the lights turn on, and it's just my friend's mom, laughing, and all those motherfucking kids on the bed with her. Now I ask you, would you have expected a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, and two 8-year-olds to be asleep in their parents' bed? Only if it's a Helix mattress. <laughs> <laughs> He's cook creepy. They can all fit in the Helix mattress. That's wild, though, but that you're like, I've made it. 
me and this cool girl are I know. best friends. And then you get there and you, you go, oh, God. Everybody's punking I'm- me. What's going on? This was all a big... This is yes. all a big joke. Yeah. I've witnessed an alien abduction or I'm about to get made fun of real hard. Mm-hmm. But no, I, to answer your question, Aaron, I would not have expected a whole passel of not. It's <laughs> no. not even like toddlers and babies. Right. That's, yeah. Those are people size. Yeah. That's those are a 14 year old, and 12 year old. That's and two eight year. I mean, that's yeah, that's a lot. But that's the best case scenario. They were all alive. Yes, and they're found. all fine. They're all fine and it's wacky. And that that happened, I think we talked about it in another episode where I was sleeping over at a friend's house and she was a sleepwalker and we didn't know and we had put shaving cream on her and she got up and walked off and then got up and walked in her parents' room and we're like, oh God, we th- you know, mm-hmm. she's tattling on us, but she her mom just came in covered in shaving cream and said, you know, we're not mad at you. We should have told you that she's a sleepwalker. It's fine. We'll wipe off. But stuff like that, you don't know until you go and sleep mm-hmm. over at their house and now Aaron knows that the coolest kid in school still sleeps in bed that's with true yeah now you've got some leverage yeah I'd like hand. to know what happened after that was she yeah. like come on in take it find a spot <laughs> or if she woke the friend up and they went back to the room if if Aaron just went back I don't know I think I would just be like okay I'm gonna go back to the living room now <laughs> nice knowing yeah I guess I'll go back to the couch yeah, hopefully that was a California king. That's all I can think about <laughs> is like how small mm-hmm. the lack of space. Uh, well, thank you, Aaron. Well, now this next one is your podcast may have saved my life sent in by Tabitha. During the spring of 2020, I was replacing the siding of our house because we were getting ready to sell it. And what else was I going to do during quarantine? The project took a couple of weeks working every afternoon from about noon until 7 p.m., well before the neighborhood noise ordinance of 10, and I would binge listen to you guys and morbid podcasts while I worked. So one day, a next-door neighbor I'd never met comes over. Him. You're Tabitha B, right? Me. Uh, That's my maiden name, but yes. How in the hell did this guy know that? Him. Seen you out here working a lot. Me. Hmm. At this point... I'm getting bad vibes, and I'm thoroughly skeeved out and trying to figure out how I can get to my gun that's safely locked away inside the house. Him. Yeah, me and the guys will pull up some chairs to the window and just watch. Uh, They're all harmless, though. I just stare blankly at him. I mean, what do you even say to that? Him. Sometimes when you're working late, I think, if she doesn't stop with that hammer, I'm gonna go out there and hurt her. What the actual fuck? Him. But, you know, I hear you listening to those true crime podcasts, so I figure I better not mess with you. You probably know how to kill a man. I then told him, I'm going to go inside now. I think I've gotten enough done today. And, as calmly as possible, walked myself into my house, locked the doors and windows, got my gun out of the safe, and kept it holstered to me every time I was outside alone after that. Then one day, about a month later, the house was abandoned. Not sold, no one ever came to take care of it, and we never saw a moving truck. Everyone who lived there just up and left overnight. I never did find out how that guy knew who I was. My maiden name wasn't on any public records for the house. So a huge thank you to both of you and Ash and Elena from Morbid for possibly saving my life. If you ever find yourselves in North Alabama, I'll buy you a drink because I definitely owe you one. Damn, somebody rolling up on you being like, I thought maybe I'd hurt you later. Who said that? No. That's get that's a yard. That's wild. That is how you get shot, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you can't blame somebody if it's 
if you're well trained and you have it and it, it makes you feel safe, feel threatened you- like that. That's very threatening for some just strange guy to come over and tell you we're all watching you. And I think about hurting you when you're making noise. We pull up the chairs to the window and just watch oh. you. No, I don't like that. No. Hell yeah. No. no. Happy to happy for you to crank us. Yes, please. On your Blast stereo. us to the whole neighborhood. Let everybody know. And <laughs> if you're blasting this right now, if you've got a chair pulled up watching your neighbor, you sicko. Perv. Go, go Shut back, it down. Go back to your own business. Yeah. Watch television. If you can't watch television, read a newspaper. If you can't read a newspaper, stare at the ground. Yeah. Don't stare at your neighbors and be like, I think about hurting no. you sometimes. Also, the woman's got a hammer. So at the very least... That's a stupid move. Yeah. And what you don't know is that inside she has a gun in a safe. So <laughs> joke's on you. Stay away. And she listens to us. So mm-hmm. in your face. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, thank you, Tabitha. That is that's something to go through. Mm-hmm. But maybe it was, I don't know. I can't even chalk it up to like, oh, it's quarantine. People were awkward. That doesn't matter. It's, no, that, that's, that's just no. creepy trying to flex, uh, being threatening, trying to, yeah, make someone feel super uncomfortable. That's free. That's freakish behavior, mm-hmm. not in the fun, freaky way no. that we normally like. Uh, well, thank you so much, Tabitha. This next one is from Stephanie with the subject line, Trust Your Instincts. This story is from my college days, which was over 10 years ago. Apologies that some parts will be missing details. I went to college in a city that has five universities all right near each other. I attended a private all-girls school. They gave me a scholarship, so why not? This story takes place my sophomore year. A friend of mine, we'll call her Elle, asked our friend group if we wanted to go to a party at a different university on the other side of town. It was a frat party, and Elle was interested in one of the boys there. None of our friends really cared about a party. I figured, why not? I'd never been to a frat party. Plus, I didn't want to leave Elle alone. So I told her I would go, but I had to leave by midnight. I had plans with my sister the next day, a Saturday, and I didn't want to be back to my dorm too late. Night of this party, a guy picks us up and takes us to the frat house. It's actually a pretty low-key party. There's some drinking and music. Nothing really crazy at all. One of the boys keeps trying to get me to talk with him. I was polite about it, but I kept my distance. He just seemed off somehow. It's getting close to the time I want to leave, but Elle wants to stay. She wants to spend the night with her new man friend. Okay, girl, you do you, but I am not staying here with the creepy dude. Plus, got to get back to my dorm or else explain to my family that I was at a frat party. They would not have liked that. The frat boys tell me there's a bus stop right outside. So, all alone, I go wait for a city bus. The bus driver was very nice and helped get me back to my dorm. He even waited until I was safely in the building before driving off. Fast forward a few months, I'm in the cafeteria with my friends, and Elle comes up to us. Hey, you remember that frat party a few months back, she asks? Yeah, of course I do. By the way, Elle and the boy were now a couple, and she would not shut up about it. She then said, That guy who was talking with you? Turns out he's on probation and got kicked out of the frat. They caught him trying to assault a girl in his room. I don't know what happened to the creepy guy. It was like 2007, and we didn't really have the social media we have today. But I sure am glad I got the hell out of there. Trust your instincts, ladies. A couple things. Fantastic bus driver. Good, yes. good for you for doing that. Flip side, don't let your girl wait for a bus outside a frat house by herself in the middle of the night. Yeah, L. if that guy really liked you and you really liked that guy, you would say, hey, guy, mm-hmm. if you want to get with me, you better take care of my friends. Mm-hmm. We're going to go outside. That's from Spice, Spice Girls, Girl right? Style. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> 
if you want. I'm exactly. very glad that this the the guy that ended up assaulting the girl did not go out there when she was waiting by herself at the bus stop and yeah, use that her. as an opportunity. For sure. That's, I mean, it's horrifying that he, at least, it sounds like he got caught before he completed the assault. He was trying to yeah. assault the girl in the room. But that's definitely uh, not a great friend move if you tell mm-hmm. your friend, well, I'm staying with this guy. You can fuck right off and go home on your own. There's a bus stop outside. A I bus lived in stop. And when I lived in New Orleans, and I mean, both in New Orleans and Chicago, I didn't have a car and I had to take the bus and stuff like that. But at and bus drivers, I, in my opinion, in my experience, bus drivers were always like this. They would see you traveling by yourself late at night and be like, you okay? Mm-hmm. Or if someone tries to hassle you on the bus, be like, leave her alone. Because I guess if you're a bus driver, you're like, I don't give a shit. Like, get off my bus if you're, you're used to a like lot that. of shit, I imagine. Yeah. And you also are like, this girl looks like she uh, needs a little bit of help navigating yeah. some stuff. Yeah. By yourself late at night, mm-hmm. picking her up outside the frat house. You're like, you okay? Yeah. So shout out to all of our city bus drivers mm-hmm. who take care of everyone and have to drive these routes like late at night. Deal but with yeah, you're so much shit, I imagine. Oh, man. I need to go through and write down all the – because in New Orleans, where I lived, the trolley norm- – or the, the streetcar normally ran that way. But after Katrina, the streetcars weren't running, so they had buses instead. And the yes, they did have to deal with a lot oh, of man. a lot of uh, wild stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's not a good friend move, Elle, no, to let her Elle, walk to the bus. But You broke the girl I mean, code for sure. She was trying to – you know, you're like, I'm your wingman, you know, your wingwoman, like, I guess. but Yeah, she went along, uh, too, to help – L get laid, and then L said, "Peace Left out." out yeah, I mean, oh. I'm not gonna say that we. Ha- I haven't done. I have been on both sides of these situations. So, as I get a person it. who has ditched many friends for a stupid guy mm-hmm. who didn't matter, I'm trying to speak from a place of experience. Yeah, don't don't, don't do it proactively. Don't always pick your friends over some douchebag because yes. the friends will always be there later. But that is definitely a gut feeling that you should follow. Of I'm in danger. Yeah. I'm going to leave now. Mm-hmm. So good on you, Stephanie, for listening to your gut instincts. And thank you for sending this in. The final one is from Heather, not me, but what's up, other Heather? And uh, this subject line is signs from my mom. I've grown up with many stories of the paranormal occurring in my childhood home. From my deceased grandfather sitting quietly at the end of my brother's bed to my dad and I both seeing a child run across the hallway at the same time and finally confirming what my mom had been saying for years. However, this story is about my mom. My mom died very suddenly in January 2022. Since her passing, my dad, brother, and I have all been wanting signs that my mom is still hanging around and looking over us. Two weeks ago, my dad had the opportunity to travel to Palm Springs from Canada to golf with a couple buddies and just get away from it all. He wasn't sure he wanted to go and was making a lot of excuses not to. However, we convinced him it would be good for him to get out of the house. The day before his trip, he went to the pharmacy to get a rapid test, and while he was waiting for the results, there was a stack of about 8 to 10 books in front of him. All the books were by the same author, an individual named Michael, but every single book had the price tag covering the A-E-L of Michael, so you could only see the word Mish. My mom's name was Michelle, and we called her Mish for short. My dad took this as a sign that my mom was telling him it was okay to take the trip. While on the trip, my dad would go outside onto the balcony to have a coffee every morning, and every time, a big crow or raven would come and sit on the railing and cluck at him. It wouldn't do the usual squawking that these type of birds do, but a gentle clicking sound. My mom loved birds. 
She fed them in our backyard all the time and especially loved to watch the crows, ravens, and magpies because they were so intelligent. My dad took this as a sign that my mom was having coffee with them. My dad didn't tell my brother and I the story until we told him that we had gone for a walk that same week and had come across a massive flock of cedar waxwing birds. My mom always teased me about these birds because they would sit in our mountain ash tree and annoy the crap out of me when I would work in the yard. On our walk, my brother and I had stopped amongst a cacophony of peeping sounds and talked about how much my mom would have loved being there. Only seconds later, the birds stopped making any sound at all. The silence was all-encompassing. Then, just as suddenly, they all took off at once right over our heads, their wings sounding like a jet plane taking off. Both of us felt like it was a sign from Mom. Finally, when my dad returned from his trip, one of his co-workers was telling him that his aunt had recently visited a psychic to try to communicate with her recently deceased husband. The psychic told the woman that finding a dime is a sign that the deceased are trying to communicate with us. As he told my dad this, my dad started to tear up. My dad had found two dimes on the trip. I had also found a dime the day before my dad told me this story when I was in the midst of an emotional moment. In public, ugh. One last thing. After she passed away, I dreamt about her almost every night. I'm very aware in most of my dreams and would often realize she was not really there. At first, this was very hard on me. I would wake up crying, re-traumatized from losing her again. However, my therapist has helped me to reframe how I think of these dreams. Now I think of them as her visiting me, and even though she never speaks, she was in a coma before she passed, I always make a point of trying to hug her and tell her how much I love her. When you've lost someone dear to you, everything reminds you of them. I have 32 years worth of memories of my mother, and she is interweaved into my everyday life in the places I go, the things I do, and the person I've become. Even though she is physically gone from this world, I like to think she's still living on through our memories of her. She died too soon, but I'm extremely grateful to have had the years I did with her. I'm looking forward to more signs from her in the future. I love this. I love this the bird connection. I definitely feel... I definitely relate to this because I see blue jays a lot and I feel like that's my dad sometimes and I see blue jays like my neighbors had our dog attached to her chair and then I walk by and the dog tried to run and flip the neighbor out of her chair and it was she was fine but it was really funny and I thought my dad would have really laughed at that. Was <laughs> it a, a blue jay was chasing? No, but there was the dog was coming because my dogs. But oh. it just it was just this kind of wacky like sitcom oh, yeah. moment where you and think thought, of them and like she said yeah. they're interwoven into everything you think about and do yeah yeah and i'm like he would so have thought that was funny and then you just kind of like have that feeling that they're with you or you see a blue jay or whatever so i i get moments like that a lot mine's ladybugs oh i love that yeah i see those a lot when in times of like when people have passed or i'm I'm thinking about them in really weird spots too i didn't know this about the dime thing but when i was reading these stories i read two other stories from people having to do with these dimes I didn't know that. So my one of my favorite teachers, my sixth grade, and then later my twelfth grade teacher, Miss Peebles, and she used to encourage us as like a gratitude journaling. She would call it dimes because she said, you know, when you're walking down the street and you see a penny, you kind of see those a lot. But when you see a dime, you're like, oh, that's even, you know, that's even better than a penny. So she would just encourage us to pick things like lovely things out of our day that we found a dime, kind mm. of a way to frame that. But I love that there's now even more. That's not just a happy thing, that it's maybe a happy thing that's a gift from somebody that's passed on that they want to give you that gift. Yeah, I'd never heard of that. I'm sure I'll be much more aware of seeing dimes now. 
I know. I feel the same way. And also, that I totally relate to the thing about the dream because I've had certain dreams where it's just my dad's either in them or whatever, but other ones where he's like talking directly to me or right within reaching distance. And I think those are until you can kind of reframe them to cope with them, they can be like Mm -hmm. devastating because it was like, oh my God, I felt like he was just right here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, And you do feel then the everything comes rushing back of, oh, I've lost them. So yeah, but I'm glad that. Your therapist was able to help you think of it as more of um, a visit and something that is um, a good thing instead of making you feel sad all over again. It's a very sweet story. Thank you, Heather. Other Heather, so much for sharing that. Yeah, Imogene, Lila, Aaron, Tabitha, Stephanie, and Heather, thank you all so much for sharing your stories. Yes, and if you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at Sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Rolling the Airwaves and Getting Into It tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, What It Drama, True Crime Headlines, and more. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. And so many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want to get some cool swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click shop in the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. And you can also share on Sinisterhood.com slash playlist. We have a Freaky Friday playlist on Spotify. Nice. So if you think, oh, I'd have a friend that would really like spooky stuff and they don't want to have to wade through the whole feed, we have organized it by topic and including one of them is Freaky Friday. So check that out. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. We're also on TikTok and YouTube. Christy, where are you at on the computer? I am on Instagram at Christy and Wallace and on TikTok and Twitter at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sin.